Good morning, church. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you're visiting with us, we have some red Bibles in the back, and you can grab one of those and help direct you through Scripture as we read and as we seek. I was just thinking, I, and you'll hear this later, sometimes we think we know the best way, our way is the right way and all that, and so glad that God's way is better. I don't know who came up with this, let's bring forward an hour. I'm so glad, though, that God gave that person the wisdom not to spring forward three hours. Amen? Can you imagine that? We sprung forward three hours. That would just not have been good. A few years ago, and actually it was quite a few years ago, our family went out east on a summer vacation. And, and when we go to places, it's not like when I grew up. When I grew up, again, growing up on a farm, big family, if we're going to go on a vacation, it's basically let's go visit an uncle or an aunt that lives in another state, Right? Unfortunately, most of my relatives lived right around where we lived. So there wasn't a lot of travel. So it was always the same aunt and uncle out in Pennsylvania, which means we would go to Gettysburg. And as a little kid, all I knew about Gettysburg was bullets and blood, right? Little boys and think battles, right? And so as a kid, I remember climbing on the rocks trying to find bullets and things, you know. It's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so when we went back as a dad now with boys, it's like, you know, I don't want to just Hey, guys, this is a big battle took place. You heard about it in school and that kind of thing because it's always intrigued me. I wanted them to know more about Gettysburg. So we had a couple options. One is we can get on a tour bus and pay a lot of money for five of us to get on a bus. Or we can sit in those round theaters and listen to the, the presentations and watch the movies, which that's okay. You got to pay money for that too. And again, paying for five people. Or we can pay one person, a tour guide, and he gets in the vehicle and rides with us. Never thought about that before. So that was the route that we took. So we got this guy dressed in his gear. He got in the van with us and got in, I think, the passenger seat. And, and we're riding around and we would pull over and get out and walk. And he would explain and he'd show us a monument and explain what this monument was for. And he'd pull out his maps and he'd show us how the battle took place on day one, day two, day three. And his it was very intriguing. It was so much better than just climbing around rocks looking for bullets, right? He uh, even took us to a point where like a cannon, he simulated how you would load a cannon. And, and of course, the boys like that. And, and uh, obviously, this was quite a few years ago. Um, but we listened to him as he talked about it, as if we were right there during the battle. We hung on every word and listened in, in amazement. And here's the thing. He was a stranger, I didn't know who this guy was. You know, I just like trusted him that the park was setting me up with the right person. And, you know, we went to the desk and we paid for the gentleman. And, you know, he comes out and gets in our van and just starts running. I don't know him. Don't know anything about him. But I do know this. He is well-versed in understanding the whole battle, what took place, the history, all counts, all stories behind stories. Um, it, was, it was amazing, right? Now, here's the thing, though. If I'm sitting in my vehicle with him... And, and he's telling me all these stories, and he, he, there's a, you know on some actual original building still standing where you can see shrapnel holes. And but what if he says, "Oh, speaking of battles, I see your wife is sitting in the back. You guys having marriage problems?" Of course, I'd say, "No, you're just sitting in her seat." But but if, what if he's like, "I want to offer you some marital advice." Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Why would I take advice from a stranger about my marriage? Or maybe he's saying, well, I'm seeing the kind of van you're driving right now, and it is pretty old. 
you, it looks like you've been driving this for a long time. Obviously, you might be struggling with your finances. So let me give you some advice on finances. Again, excuse me, sir, but you're a stranger. Why would I listen to you about finances? You're geared up in your Civil War gear with your maps and your little pouch and you got some bullets in there and all that kind of... Why would I listen to you about all those other things? That's not your area of expertise. You're a stranger to me, right? Now, if you remember, last week we talked about when you trust somebody, you're going to listen to them, right? But if you don't know them, you're probably not going to trust them. This gentleman, I didn't know. He's a stranger to me. But I trusted his knowledge on the battle. I trusted his expertise on all these things. So I was like, I'll listen to that. But all these other things, I don't think so much. Last week we talked in John chapter 14 about trusting God. Be not troubled, right? We got all kinds of troubles in our life. But I said, here's the thing about trouble. You got to learn to trust God. But how can you trust God if you don't know him? You need to have a relationship. I didn't know this gentleman that's in my vehicle, but I trusted him because of his knowledge, but I was not going to trust him anywhere else. No way. So I want you to think about this now in biblical thought, in biblical terms, your faith. Jesus was with his disciples three years. They walked with him. They trusted him. Their relationship grew as they went from, from their life of a home, a job, family, all this stuff. They left all that to walk with Jesus for the next three years, to eat to uh, laugh, to run, to experience the power of God's miraculous power working through Jesus Christ. They trusted Jesus. They had built a relationship over the years. So now that they trust Jesus, they can now trust God. Right? John 14, 1. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Open them up to the book of John. John 14, 1. This is the verse we really hung on last week. Again, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We trust God by building our relationship with him. Just like the disciples built their relationship with Jesus, they trust him. Just like that stranger sat in my car, I didn't trust him because I don't have a relationship with him, but I did believe what he was saying about the battle. But I wouldn't listen to him on anything else, probably. I need to build a relationship with him. Just like I need to build a relationship with God so that... I can trust him. So again, I would ask you the same question that I closed with last week. How much time are you spending with God? How much are you in the Bible reading besides on a Sunday morning? How much do you pray? How much do you spend time with other people in study and learning? Uh, How much are you journaling or listening and singing songs or serving or giving? All these things help you develop your relationship with God. And when you trust God... When the troubles come your way, it's a lot easier, right? Well, we're in the book of John 14. And Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to trust me. And then he continues with the rest of the chapter on why we should trust him. And he continues with telling his disciples that heaven is this incredible, spacious, personal place. It's a place prepared by God just for them. Just for us. For those of us who believe. I want you to think about this. When it's time, Jesus is going to usher us in. When it's time, Jesus will return. Or when we die, when that happens, we are taken into the presence of God in this incredible place. Now, look at verse 2. He says in John 14, 2, There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. So I want you to think about this. Wherever you're troubled at today, whatever things you're facing, the anxious moments, whatever's coming your, your direction, here, here's what I want you to understand. We have a never-ending permanent place of residence in the presence of God. We have our troubles here, but we have the presence of God here. And we need to look at our problems with the lens, put on the lens, put on the glasses of eternity, and look through the lens of eternity and understand what's coming our way so that you can handle today. That's one way of handling it. When you do, you know, you look at life currently saying, man, life is tough. I got this problem. I got this trouble. My relationship here, my finances there. I get it. We all get it, right? Now put on the lens of eternity and understand what God has prepared for you. Being in his presence, being in a place that he says, I'm preparing this just for you, right? Right now, Jesus is waiting for us. I want you to think about this. At some time, each and every one of us will enter the door of eternity. Eternal hell or eternal heaven. The presence of God or the absence of God. We're all waiting for that moment. Here's what I want you to know. Heaven has been prepared for you. It is an incredible place. He made the world. He made the stars. He made the galaxies. He made the planets. He made the mountains. He made the rivers. He made the flowers. Think of all that God has created. And then he's like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. <laughs> okay, I can imagine some beautiful mansions around here, right? And God's like saying, you think that mansion is awesome? Wait till you see what I've got prepared for you. The one who bought that eternity with his blood says, I'm preparing this for you. What kind of place do you think he's getting ready? The one who has all things under his command. Demonic power, nature, healing, creation. God's got all that power over all those things. And he says, I'm preparing a place for you. What's it going to be like? Beyond our imagination, right? Just like the song, we can only imagine. Then think about it. This is awesome, right? And, and excuse me for not jumping around and being very charismatic right now, okay? But we have an incredible place being prepared for us. And yet we still sit here and go, that's cool. I know, I know. I'm not very energetic and you're not very energetic because we lost that hour or something like that. But if you were to open up an envelope and it said you've won an all-expense-paid trip to a bank that's filled with gold bars that you can't even see the end of the room to the other end of the room, and you can use those gold bars for whatever you want to use, and you can build a mansion beyond your understanding, and you own everything, and da 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 and you'd be like, whoa, yeah, right? And we're like, oh, that's cool. Really? Heaven's been prepared for us, and it is awesome. And I'm the, so let me ask you this question, okay? And you don't have to get all excited, like, yeah, okay, whatever. You can just answer this question in your mind. Do you want to go? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I know I didn't do a very good job of selling it, okay? And I know I could have explained heaven a lot more, but that would take like five sermons to get through that, okay? But just imagine if God, who is so powerful, so we just sang it, God, you are awesome. Yeah. He made a place for you. You want to go see it someday? You want to be in his presence someday? And the answer to that, I hope, is resounding yes, right? We want to be in the presence of our Savior. We want to be in the presence of the one who died for us, the one who said, I'll take it for you. I'll do this for you, right? An eternal place of rest, peace, love, joy. Yeah, I want that, right? Of course you do. Let me ask you this. Do you know how to get there? Do you know how to get there? 
How many, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I said, can you confidently, with, with all confidence in the world, tell me how to get there? Absolutely, this is me, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, that's what today's all about. Because here's the thing, some of us in here, you've eaten at an incredible restaurant, right? Or maybe you visited somewhere, okay? Let's just stick with the restaurant. You've gone to an incredible restaurant, you ate something really awesome, and you're like, oh, this was fantastic. And you can't wait to tell somebody else, like, Ryan, man, I ate at this place, and it's called Coach Lambs. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You have a four-pound pizza, pork caters nightmare. Tonight? Yes. Okay, so anyway, um, anyway, you've got to try this place. And then Ryan's like, oh, I want to try that. And he's like, how do you get there? I don't know. What good was that? You know, it's like, didn't you go there? Yeah, I know how to get there. Well, can you tell me how to get there? No, I can't tell you how to get there. What kind of friend am I, right? I mean, if I know the way to an incredible place, shouldn't I share that with you? Would you guys want to know how to get to the incredible place that I'm excited about? Wouldn't you want to know? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, okay. And then I turn around and say, no, too bad. I hope you would be somewhat upset with me. Here's the thing. Heaven is beyond all these incredible places I'm talking about. And I know the way. And I hope you know the way too. We'll we'll solidify that in a second here, okay? But what's more important is, do you know how to tell other people how to get there? Do do you know how to tell tell other people how to get to heaven? Listen, I'm so tired of people saying, go to, and they, they go to the other place. We're talking about hell, right? And they use that phrase and they throw it out there. They get mad. It's like, I'm justified because I'm angry right now to tell you where to go. As a Christian, never, ever, please use that phrase. As a Christian, it's all about getting to heaven. I don't care how angry you are with somebody. You do not have the power of God to damn somebody to hell. You don't have that power. Neither do I. So for us to do that, that is wrong. We should be telling people how to get to heaven. And when somebody looks at us and we're mad at them, maybe we just need to walk away, okay? But at some point in time, we need to love our enemies and we need to say, you know what? I want to tell you how to go to heaven. Just floor somebody sometime. When they get mad at you and they're all angry, like, go to heaven. And I go, but what did he just say? <laughs> right? Seriously, we need to get that in our minds and our hearts that we do not have the power to send people to hell and we should never tell people to go to hell. We should be all about telling people how to get to heaven, the most incredible place ever. We should be excited about that. We should say, I want to show you the way. So that's why this, that's why we're doing that this morning. That's why we're in God's word this morning. Because I want you to know. Look with me in uh, verse John chapter 14, verse 4. Because Jesus continues and he says this. And you know the way to where I'm going. But the disciples are perplexed. No, we don't, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Now in their mind, they're like, did I miss the exit? Did, did we... Were we supposed to turn back there? I don't know the way. Jesus, you're saying, we know the way. We know the way. I don't know the way, right? See, back in the day before GPS, we actually had to look at signs. We actually had to know when to exit, okay? We didn't have a little voice saying, turn here. Okay, we didn't have those voices. Do you guys remember those days? Yeah. See, there was an actual exit. These disciples like, did we miss the exit? Jesus said we were supposed to know the way. I don't know if we know the way. When I was hiking out west, there were things called trail markers. I needed those trail markers to make sure I was on the right path, on the right trail. 
whether it was a post, whether it was a sign, or whether it was just a little white mark on a rock. Because there were some places where there's no signs, and I could go any which direction. I'm thinking, I might get lost. This is not good. Like Thomas, I had no idea where I was going, but thanks to a little white, white marking on a rock, I'm on the right trail. I'm on the right path. I needed a guide. And Jesus says, you didn't take a wrong turn, guys. Thomas, I hear what you're saying. You don't think you know the way. Let me tell you the answer to this one. He says this in John 6, uh, verse 6. He said, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am a way. He has all kinds of ways. No, he said, I am the way. He's the way. Listen, church, he's not the trail marker. He's the trail. He's not the way to the summit. He is the summit. We need to remember that during those days, religious leaders were claiming that they were the way. All kinds of people were clamoring for people's attention. It's like, hey, follow us, follow us, follow this, follow that. And Jesus comes along and says, no, there's only one way to follow. Only one way to go. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. You're in John. Just go back one book to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 uh, actually, there's going to be a couple chapters beforehand. Jesus gets in discussion with these religious leaders. And he's having this discussion with them, and it gets a little heated and moves on. We're going to go to chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus is going through the towns and villages, teaching as he goes, always pressing on. He's pressing on towards Jerusalem, where we're at now with John 14. Somebody asked him, it says, verse 23. Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter but fail. And when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You'll stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Verse 26. Then you'll say, hey, but we ate and we drank with you and and you taught it in in our streets. And he'll reply, I tell you. I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you'll be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from the east and west, north, south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important now will be greatest then, and some who are the greatest will now be least important then. Jesus is having this discussion with these leaders, and they're talking about, hey, you got to follow the narrow way, but oh, we're, our way is great. No, you're going to be knocking, but you're not getting in because you didn't go the right way. But the question that was posed at the very beginning of this was, Lord, will only a few be saved? He's asking the wrong question. Jesus is getting at this. You're asking the wrong question. Lord, will only a few be saved? Jesus is like, no, here's the question. You need to be asking is, are you saved? So sometimes we're so worried about, oh, are they going to be saved? Are they going to be saved? What's going to happen? We need to stop and just ask this question. Are you going to be saved? Am I saved? Have I asked Christ to be the Lord of my life? Jesus is facing these religious leaders with with power and conviction. And he says, hey, oh, by the way, it's time I need to go to Jerusalem now. Jesus knows his time is complete his mission. So he heads off to Jerusalem and he leaves these religious leaders behind, right? Now, church, listen, I'm trying to be really simple today. And you're like, you're always simple, Rex. Good. Okay. Uh, Very basic today uh, in in this message. I want to be very clear today. We were created for nothing less than to know God and love God. That's it. 
But the religious leaders here wanted action. They wanted people to follow them and love them. They wanted rules, not affection. They had a, uh, a whole system of rules to tell people how to love God and what to do, and it made it very complicated. The religious people were basically saying, hey, we're going to show you the way to God, but oh, there's a whole bunch of different ways. And Jesus said, stop. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me, not these religious leaders. And today we get confused because it seems like, well, there's so many ways to God. Like reincarnation, right? Or Eastern religions. Or, or maybe, maybe if I like the religious leaders are asking, if I just do really good things and, and I'm a good person. If I'm a good person, I'm in. Oh, my grandparents, my parents were Christians. I'm in. Right? No, you're not. You're not. Those are false ways. False trails. They are not true. I'm going to take you to a diagram that um, this is something our men's group is going through. And so some of you out there are like, oh yeah, we, we practiced, we worked on this, right? We've been trained on this, right? I'm going to focus on this because this is a simple thing you can write on a piece of paper to help people know the way. I asked you at the beginning, a little bit ago, I said, you know you're going to heaven? Are you excited about going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell anybody how to get there? Mm, I'm not quite sure. After this, you should be 100% confident you can do this. You can just use this simple diagram, okay? Let's start at the very beginning, Genesis 1, 26. God created the first human beings, and he said, hey, let us make mankind in our image, uh, in our likeness, and God blessed them. Then he spent the next days walking in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What an incredible relationship. That's what we were created, to have that incredible relationship with God. Unfortunately, while life was still good, Sin entered the world. And then it separated Adam and Eve and the rest of mankind from God. Life isn't like what it used to be in the garden. Now it's all messed up, right? We basically do the opposite. We, mankind, do the opposite of what God would like us to do. So it's, it's, we're poisoned, so to say, by sin. Sin is what separates us. So let me give you some verses here to help you understand this. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous, no, not one. As a Christian, this is what I believe. We're all sinners. We all mess up. No one. That's me. That's you. None of us are righteous. For all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glorious standard of God. God's got the standard of holiness. We fall way short of that standard. Sin is what, again, separates us from a holy God. Holy God. Listen, there is no sin in God. We have sin in us. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. So we cannot be in the presence of God unless that sin is taken care of and removed. It's sort of like you're hearing today about the quarantine from the viruses, right? Oh, you're quarantined because you are infected, we believe. We are, in a sense, quarantined from God because we are infected with sin. And until we have that sin removed, we cannot be in the presence of God. We cannot be where we were supposed to be in that relationship with him. So again, picture it as it was that chasm. So there's us over here, that stick figure. God's over there. And we want to have that relationship. But now there's a chasm. There's a, there's a big valley in between us and God. And sin is what it is. Sin keeps us from that relationship with God. You following me on this? Okay. We have to figure out how to get over that sin, to cross over somehow to get back to God. And that's what all these false religions were doing. Good works, heritage, whatever it may be. 
Uh, maybe you get baptized, take communion, uh, maybe uh, reincarnation, maybe a religious act, all these kind of things. Like, no, none of those things get you right with God. I've got money. I'm a morally good person. I've got a great education. My grandparents are Christians. It's not getting you across that chasm. See, we've got a lot of ways in which we think will work, but our ways don't work. What does Proverbs say? There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. I can like, you know, my good works will get me over that chasm to God. I'm just going to run real hard and be really good and I'll jump. I'll get across to God and no, right down into the ravine. Death. My way seems right, but it always leads to death. And Proverbs is pretty clear on that. There's only one way to find peace with God. And the Bible says it's through Jesus Christ. Now, listen, I know some people are saying, you Christians, you're such snobs. You're so exclusive. You think you've got the only way. Yes, I do. Thanks to Jesus Christ, I do have the only way. And I'm going to dance on that foundation because a lot of us are like ashamed of it. Stop being ashamed of the gospel. Stop being ashamed of what you believe. It is power. Amen? So let's remember this. Okay, I need to keep going here. Okay, Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the good news right here. I'm messed up. I'm, I'm separated from God. But God loves me so much that while I'm still sinning, one translation says, while I'm his enemy, he died for me. John 3.16, we all know that verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is great news. Romans 6.23, which is one of the verses we've been working on, is for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's so let's just check out this diagram again. So on the one side, you've got man, right? On the other side, you've got God. And on our side, the wages. Wages is when you work and you get something in return. Those are the wages, right? Here's the thing. You know what we deserve? Our wages for the way we live? Death, sin, right? And that sin separates us from God. There's that deep chasm, right? But there's a free gift from God. It's eternal life. And it's through Jesus Christ. Christ is that cross that bridges the gap. It's placing our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and openly, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. John 5, 24 says this, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. And will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. You see that picture of that cross? Crossed over from death to life. The cross, yes. When we declare and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is on, we place our faith in him. We are saved. Romans 10, 13 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because some of us think we're not good enough. Why would he want to save me? Does he know my past? Yes. And it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when we pray, this is what we do. We call this the ABCs. First, we admit that we are sinners. We admit that we messed up. And we believe that God can save us from those sins. I admit it. I, I can't do this. I, I've, I've, I've erred. I've sinned. I've not done good things. But I believe that God 
uh, can save me through his son, Jesus Christ. So I confess with my, my sins and I invite Jesus Christ to live in me and to be the Lord of my life. We call those again like the ABCs, right? So we can pray this prayer then. And some people are like, is there a special prayer I pray then? If you look through the Bible, you're going to look like, I'm looking for that special prayer. Where's it at? Page what? Right? There's no special magical prayer, but we are given direction on how to pray. So let me give you an example of how you can pray. It could be a prayer, something as simple as this. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. That's the admitting right there. And that I need you to forgive me. I know that you died a painful death so that my sins could be washed clean. That's belief. Thank you. I want to make you the Lord of my life, and I will trust and follow you. Everything I have is yours now. In your name, Lord. Amen. It could be a simple prayer as that. Again, there's nothing magical about this exact prayer, okay? It's not about the words. Church, listen, it's not about the words on the screen. It's about your heart and what's coming out of there. And maybe you're in this room right now and it's like, you know what? I don't know the way. I, I've never prayed a prayer. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. Here you go. I invite you right now to the place that's been prepared for me, has been prepared for you. I invite you right now to know the way, to choose the way, the way to Jesus Christ, the way to a relationship back with God. You know, the best part of this whole process is it doesn't matter how bad you messed up because the power of God saves us from everything. And that's fantastic news because we've all messed up. And that is great news because we can put our complete trust in the God of this universe. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Church, listen. In this illustration, there's one thing that's missing. The, the, the canyon. You know that picture, that illustration I'm talking about? There's, there's one thing that is missing there, and it's called urgency. Let me hear you say urgency. Look at the person next to you and say urgent. Yeah, and if you looked at somebody, look the other way and say urgent. Yeah, and if you have nobody around you, I'm sorry. Um, just tell yourself. Right? Mankind stands on one side of the chasm. And we're standing here. And if you look at that drawing, the one thing is missing again is urgency, right? We've got the cross. We've got God. And they've got that stick figure standing like, I am going to choose, right? Okay, I'm going to choose to walk. But here's the thing. Some people think, I can just stay here. No, you can't. Because really what happens is on the back side of that illustration should be a, another drop-off. And there should be some flames down there representing hell. And there should be some down here on the other side too. And then we need, what we need is one of those moving walls. You know, it's like just slowly moving. Again, we don't know what day is our appointed time to die on this earth. We don't know. But we do know that someday all of us will. At some point in time, that wall is going to close in. And we're going to have five feet, four feet, three feet. And then eventually we're going to be on the edge. And that wall is going to push us off or we're going to walk the cross. Urgency is missing out of that. A lot of us think, I've got time. You don't know that. The thief on the cross, when he was up, one of the thieves on the cross as he's hanging up there, praise God that God has grace giving us what we don't deserve because he looked at Jesus and Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. That man, everything he did all those years before was probably bad, right? And in the last second, he looks at Jesus and asks for that forgiveness. And Jesus says, today, you're with me in paradise. He was on the edge of that cliff. A lot of us may not have that opportunity. That's why now is so important. That urgency is missing. We need to tell people to go to heaven. We need to show them the way. You guys might remember Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel. Who remembers Evil Knievel? 
Remember him? Yeah, he was on motorcycles. He'd jump over semis. He'd jump over a shark tank. He jumped over all kinds of things. And then one day he got this brilliant idea. I'm going to build a rocket, and I'm going to shoot it over the Grand Can- or the uh, Snake River and uh, the canyon there, right? And so if you see the top left picture, uh, it was a failed attempt. Now, fortunately, he, under- he knew that he would probably fall- fail, so he had a parachute. He was all good, right? But that's called a failed attempt. That's that me in that canyon trying to do good things like, I can do this. And no, fail. But there's also other things, too, we've got to be aware of. It's called false, false attempts. This is Devil's Bridge. I showed it to you about a month ago when I got back from my sabbatical. As I walked out across uh, the Devil's Bridge, there's it's a canyon on both sides, so a little ravine on both sides. As I walked across that bridge, you know what was on? Take a look to the far left. You know what was on the edge of that bridge where you see a couple people, small people standing there? Okay? Nothing. It was a dead end. Oh, I walked across, like, yeah, I crossed the bridge to nothing. There's nothing there. I had to turn around and build up the courage to walk back across at it again. It was a false attempt. There's a lot of false religions out there today. A lot of people telling you things that this is the way to do it, and it leads to nowhere in life. There are failed attempts. There are false attempts. And then there's the faithful attempt. This is placing your faith, what you believe, in what Jesus Christ has done for all of us. Again, failed, false, faithful. Jesus said, I told you. I'm the way, not a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. The cross is there before us. Do you trust God? Listen, you, you have to have confidence, not in your ability, but in his way. You got to trust him. We crossed a, a, a suspension bridge one time in Gatlinburg. And as we're going across, you know, it's a little shaky. And it's a very long one. And then actually in the middle, there's like a little glass. So you can look down on the why you'd want to. But then you look out and you're just like, wow. And as we're going across, I do believe it was one of my sons who had crutches at that time, which could have been any three. Um, <laughs> but it was Carter at that time. And he was like, boom, boom, boom. And you could see people like grab the rail and like look at him, like stop. and like, stop, you know. It was shaky, right? Part of your trusting God is a daily walk with him. And every now and then you might have to grab on and say, a little shaky right now, God. He goes, I know. Keep walking. Trust me. It's not always easy, but it's the right thing to do. And you have a church that wants to walk with you and right behind you. There's only one way. Go back to John chapter 14. Let me wrap this up. Jesus reminds his disciples of this truth. If you trust Jesus, you trust God, and you trust God, you trust in Jesus. Here's the thing. Not everybody's going to do this. Verse 7. If you had really known me, You'd know who my father is from now on. You do know him and you've seen him. This is Jesus talking. Philip, one of the disciples, goes, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen, uh, who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the father and the father's in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe 
that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. Jesus is pouring out his heart and his disciples are like, I don't know. Have you ever loved somebody and yet they sort of reject your love? You ever been there? I mean, you pour out your love to somebody and they're like, oh, whatever. You ever been there? God has to every day with us usually. Pours out our love and a lot of times we just reject him. People do that. In Mark 6, 1 to 6, and I'm not going to put it on the screen, but there was another discussion where Jesus was, I can't even deal with the disbelief of this generation. Because because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. See, not everyone accepts the way. And I'm sure Jesus is like, I can't believe you aren't taking my way. And now as Jesus shares with the disciples this good news, Philip is like, are you sure about this? I mean, I don't know. Jesus is like, I've made some I am statements. I've shared with you that I am the bread of life, that I am the light of the world, that I am the gate, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm telling you right now, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We have the answer. Church, you have the answer. I just shared this with you. Hopefully you can draw that diagram. And if you're like, I'm not sure, I'll send it to you and you can practice it. But church, again, heaven, a prepared place, incredible place. You want to go, right? You want to be in the presence of God. It's not so much about heaven itself. It's about being in the presence of God and having that relationship with him. You want to go, right? Do you know the way? Have you accepted that? Have you prayed? If not, today's an awesome day to do it. And do you know how to share this with other people? Because you got to. I've got to. We have no excuses. Like, well, somebody else will tell them. Who's that somebody else going to be? People may reject it. That's their choice. But God, God's given you something. We need to share it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. As they're coming forward, I want you to think of it like this. Uh, there's this little girl, she's four years old, and her daddy was dying, and she didn't understand death. And you can imagine some of you have four-year-olds, and you've had kids that are four-year-old, and try to explain death to them. And, and the way it was told to her is, well, daddy's going to be leaving, and he's going to go to, he's going to have another home now. He's going to another land. He's going to another place. So this little four-year-old just goes up to her daddy, who's he was an incredible architect, incredible builder, and he lived in a beautiful house himself, right? And she goes up to her father who's dying and she just sort of leans into him, just looks at him in the eyes, goes, Papa, do you have a home in the land that you're going to? She was so concerned because she's had a nice home that he lived in and he builds nice homes. And now she's being told that he's going off to another land. And her first question is, Papa, do you have a home in that land that you're going to? Church, let me ask you this. Someday we're all going to die. Do you have a home prepared for you? Do you know what that home looks like? Do you know what it's going to be like? I just told you about one this morning. And Jesus said, I'm the way to get there. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man gets there except through me. He is the way. As Christians, we're not some part of exclusive club. We just believe on the truth and we will dance on that foundational truth. Amen. And we need to share that with others. Because if we really do love people, we will share the truth with them. We 
will share life with them. We will share the way with them. Would you please stand? Church, listen. There's only one way. Have you prayed a prayer? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into life? Have you admitted your sins and confessed them to him? Would you believe that? Have you asked him to be the Lord of your life? As I pray, if you've not done that, I'm going to encourage you to do it right now. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. You know, we call those altar calls, and, you know, sometimes we do them, a lot of times we just don't. But I'm going to say this. If you pray that prayer this morning, if you pray any kind of prayer this morning, and you admit your sins to God, and you confess them to a holy God, and you place your faith in Him, and if you're done praying that prayer, and church is over, come tell me. Come tell me. And you're like, I don't know if I can tell you. And take that bulletin, like Lupe said, tear off that little thing, write it on there, drop it in the blessings box. You got to tell somebody. This, this life isn't meant to walk alone. That's why we have a church. And it isn't just this church, but many churches. And as Christians, we encourage each other as we walk and trust and believe. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. God, I thank you that you love us so much that in spite of our sin, you died for us. That's incredible love. We know the wages of our sin is death. But the free gift you've given us is eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. So God, we all stand here this morning and we admit that we are sinners. We, we believe that you sent your Son to die for us. To bridge that gap to remove the sin out of our lives so that we can have that relationship with you. We believe that. So we confess right now, Lord, that we believe that. We ask for you to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, Lord. And we ask, Lord, for you to come into our life and to be the Lord of our life, to help us make the decisions we have to make every day, to face the trials we face every day. And Lord, like we said last week about troubles, troubles shouldn't worry us. They will. But when we trust you, put on that lens of eternity and we look and we see you there with us so we know we're not alone. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for truth. In thy name we pray. Amen.